Burnout is not a badge of honor. Greg McEwen. Hey everyone, I'm Cal and welcome to episode 62 of the Intentional Leader Podcast. Whether you're a brand new leader, middle management, or a senior executive, this community is going to help you lead yourself, inspire others, and make your world a better place. Today I'm really excited to have best-selling author Greg McEwen back on the show to talk about his exciting new book, Effortless, subtitled Make It Easier to Do What Matters Most. If you're new to this show, first of all, thank you for being here. We release a new episode every two weeks and our goal is to add extreme value to you as a leader during the time we have together. If you want to make sure that you get all the episodes and make sure they come straight to you every two weeks, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. I want to give a special thank you to all of you that continue to share this podcast with your network, sharing it with your friends, talking about it. I see the growth and I just want to say thank you. Also, I want to say thank you to all of you that have taken the time to rate or review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. It only takes a few minutes and it really helps us grow and it gives me feedback. Recently, War Professor said, Cal covers it all. Love the diverse and complex leaders that Cal has on his podcast and how he unboxes each one's unique perspective on leadership. War Professor, thank you so much for the feedback. W. Boyer 98 had this to say about episode 61 with General Votel. Great presentation. It's great to hear General Votel is doing what he does best. I had the pleasure to serve under the command of Colonel Votel in A Company 222 from 94 to 97. Just wanted to say thank you, sir, and thank you both for this presentation. I will take some of this back with my company and use some refresher for my team. This will inspire some motivation. We work in a field here in Arizona leading the way in housing veterans experiencing homelessness. W. Boyer, 98, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to leave that review. I pass that on to General Votel. Also, thank you for the work you're doing helping to house homeless veterans. What an incredible mission, and I wish you well with that. Please let us know if we can support you in any way. Today's sponsor is Higher Echelon Incorporated. Higher Echelon is a leadership development and organizational performance consulting firm providing human capital and technology services to optimize performance. Higher Echelon can help prepare your organization to meet the rapidly changing, complex, and often ambiguous requirements of today's world by developing resilient and adaptive leaders, modernizing and enhancing your processes, and implementing transformational technology solutions. Higher Echelon lives the values that they teach. They were recently named number 13 best workplace and consulting and professional services nationally by great place to work usa if you want to learn more about higher echelon go visit their website higherechelon.com and there you can connect with the amazing team and learn more about how they can help you and your team achieve more i'm really excited to have greg McEwen back on the show today if you want to listen to my first interview with greg where we talk about his first book Essentialism. You can go check out episode 39. I'll put that in the show notes. Greg is the author of the new book, Effortless, Make It Easier to Do What Matters Most. His previous book, Essentialism, hit the New York Times bestseller list, has sold more than a million copies. And like so many of you, that book has had a tremendous impact on me. He's also a speaker and he's the host of a popular podcast, What's Essential? Greg has been covered by the New York Times, The New Yorker, Fast Company, Fortune, Politico, and Inc. He's been interviewed by NPR, NBC, Fox, The Steve Harvey Show, 
and is among the most popular bloggers for LinkedIn. He's also a young global leader for the World Economic Forum. Originally from London, England, he now resides in California with his wife, Anna, and their four children. This was a lot of fun to reconnect with Greg, also to talk about his new book, Effortless. We dive into some awesome topics related to that. And at the end, I ask him some lightning round questions about his top marriage advice, top parenting advice, which was gold in of itself. So stay tuned for that at the end of the show. For show notes, visit calwalters.me. And without any further ado, please enjoy my conversation with bestselling author, Greg McEwen. Hey, Greg McEwen, welcome back to the podcast. I'm really excited to have you here. Last time we talked, it was the summertime. And of course, we all know summer 2020, we all know kind of where we were at at that point. But I remember during our conversation, at the very end of that, I asked you about you know, what have you been thinking about? What are you excited about? And and one of the things you talked about that was that kind of caught me off guard, but I, I've really thought about a lot since then was this idea that good things have to be hard. And, you know, I'm a I'm a West Point grad. I've been in the army, went to Ranger School. You know, I've done a lot of quote unquote hard things. And I think that idea is very firmly rooted in the way I think about essential things in my life. Uh, and I'm excited that you that you've now taken that concept and, and you've put it into a book, Effortless, coming out, I believe, maybe in April. And, and correct me on that, but I, I'm just excited to jump into that. And perhaps we could start, Greg, with just how you got interested in this specific topic of effortless, making it easy to do what matters. Yes, let me give you a bit of the of the story behind this. You know, so after my first book, Essentialism: The Discipline Pursuit of Less, was published, I, you know, I hit the speaking circuit, traveling the country, keynote signing books, and loving it. Really, I, I took one of my children with me when I traveled, and I remember one of the trips. There's a, you know, book signing. There's 300 people lined up around the corner. They ran out of books, which hadn't happened before. You know, it was just this blur of That's airports cool. and Ubers, rooms and exhilarating, sometimes exhilarating and exhausting. And, you know, really the success of essentialism changed everything. And among the things that changed, you know, people would say, okay, well, I've, they will reach out. I've read the book three, five, or maybe literally 17 times. And I wanted wow. to be able to listen to them. I wanted to be able to hear them. I wanted to speak in front of rooms of people who are eager to become essentialists. I wanted to write personalized message to people to be gracious. And then, so, you know, even better than being the father of essentialism was, you know, by this point, I'm a father to four children. And, you know, my family epitomizes everything that's essential to me. And I wanted to be there for them as well. However inconvenient, maybe the kids wanted to talk, you want to be there for them. I wanted to coach them, wanted to, you know, whether they wanted to become a director or be, become an Eagle Scout or play board games, whatever. Like, so, so this is, there's no motivation issue here. In fact, in fact, really, I, by this point, it's stripped away many of the non-essentials. I've resisted writing a new book, even though it's what you're supposed to do every 18 months. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd taken a break from teaching my class at Stanford. I'd set aside any plans to build a workshop business. I mean, I was being more selective than ever my whole life. But the problem was I still felt like there was too much. And and not only that, I felt this increased, this sort of sense to increase my contribution even while I'd run out of space. So 
I'm striving to model essentialism, to live what I teach, but it wasn't enough. And I could feel the cracks in an assumption I'd always held to, that, that to achieve everything we want without becoming impossibly busy or overextended, we simply need to discipline ourselves to say only yes to the essential and no to everything else. Yeah, so I, I, I said, well, I found myself saying, well, if you've already stripped down your life to the essentials, what do you do if it's still too much? And and you you've heard this before, I'm sure. But I was working with some some you know quite capable leaders, and one of them had referenced you know the big rocks theory, which you know yeah. I'm sure you've heard. But you know yeah. where the teacher they've got the empty jar, they pour in the small pebbles at the bottom, they put the big ones on top. There's no fit, so then you get a new container. You put in the large rocks first and the small pebbles and then they fit right you know we, we, all, we all heard that that metaphor but as i sat in my hotel room as they, they, they talked about this we've been talking about as i sat in my hotel room i wondered well what you know, but what do you do if there are just too many big rocks <laughs> <laughs> like what what if the absolutely essential work simply does not fit within the limits of the container like you've got a different kind of problem then and as i pondered that I get a video call and it's my son Jack calling from my wife's phone, which itself was unusual and immediately got my attention. And I noticed immediately that his face was drained of its color. His tone was urgent. He looked scared. I could hear my wife's voice in the background instructing me to turn the phone around. And he's trying to explain, well, Eve, something's really wrong. You know, she was just eating, then her head started moving. Mom told me to call you. And mm. what was happening is that Eve, my my daughter, was having a massive tonic-clonic seizure. Oh, wow. And so the adrenaline got me through all the next immediate things, packing, take the red-eye flight back to my family that night, you know, there's all the hospital visits that, that, that adrenaline gets you through, the medical experts trying to work out what's happening, the endless phone calls, flights. And, and what I know, you know, none of my normal responsibilities suddenly disappeared just because I was in the middle of a crisis. And within all of that, the walls sort of closed around me and I felt burdened beyond belief. It was sort of suffocating at times. And you want to collapse under the pressure of it all because there was sometimes it was just torture. And, you know, perhaps because I had literally written the book on how to be an essentialist, I felt sort of a self-imposed pressure to be the perfect essentialist. It took me, I think, a little longer to just finally, I remember turning to Anna, my wife, and just being like, look, I'm not well. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I suddenly realized that I was, I mean, this is really what I learned from, the story I'm sharing is that I was doing the right things and I was doing them for the right reasons, but I found that I was doing them in the wrong way. As like a weightlifter trying to lift, you know, using the muscles of my lower back. I was like a swimmer who hadn't learned to breathe properly, a baker who's painstakingly kneading every loaf of bread by hand, you know, and, and, and for, whether for you or for people listening to this, I think there are people who know just what I'm talking about, that they're highly engaged, but on the edge of exhaustion. Mm. And so, and so, you know, what do you do in that situation? And so what I, why I wrote this book is for people that there is, you know, another way. 
that not everything has to be so hard, that there is a way to get to the next level. With <laughs> that, that doesn't mean you have to have chronic exhaustion, that you can make a higher contribution without just some definite expense to your mental and physical health. Essentialism was about doing the right things. Effortless is about doing them in the right way. That's so interesting. I, I can I can imagine that having written the book on essentialism, that you feel a lot of pressure to to model that so perfectly. And I appreciate your vulnerability, just sharing that of it, that that difficulty. That even the person who wrote the book, it, it can be a challenge. So take us on the journey, Greg. Of where did you go from there? How did you discover perhaps what I imagine is a good bit of the content of this book? How did you discover how to go from where you were at that moment to getting to a better place and ultimately getting towards this idea of effortless? Well, there's a point of extremity in this story and and the final chapter of the book, I won't go into all of it here, but the final chapter of the book is the is is the backstory there to to what happened to Eve and, and what went on and what we learned and and there's, there's like a lot of color and detail to that. But I'll, I'll, I'll sort of leave that to for, for interested readers to be able to to go to. But but if I give a, a synopsis, it's like, and I think a lot of people will be able to relate to this feeling. It's like if you're working as hard as you can, you know, if you can't work any harder then you've got to find an easier path. And so that was really what I faced personally and then just went on a, you know, a quest, a giant research journey to be able to find that easier path. You know, I, do, I, as an essentialist, am not interested in giving up on the essentials, right? Because that's another option, I guess. You could just not do your essentials, just give up on them. But because I'm so deeply committed to the things that really matter most, I was just hungry to find this other option. Like a lot of people caught between this, I think, a false dichotomy that you can either do things that, well, I mean, how would I say it? You know, that, that anything worth doing takes tremendous effort. You, you, be, you believe that. And, and so as soon as somebody even says, well, what about the easier path? You might be like, well, I don't know about that. You know, we distrust the easy as being for the lazy people. And of course, there is a lazy path in life. I'm just not advocating it. And I wasn't interested in that. I wanted to know, could you make the is there a path that's like the, where the essential things, the most important things become the easiest things? Could you construct a life like that? Is there a different way to do it? And that's kind of the contrast that the core of the book is like to go from this exhausting lens, the effortless lens. Exhausting lens is anything worth doing takes tremendous efforts. The effortless thing is the most essential things can be the easiest ones. And, and that shifts, then everything shifts from that mindset. The, the outcome, the value proposition of effortless is, is, that, is that to go from a situation where you burn out and still don't get the results you want <laughs> uh, to a situation where you get the right results, but without burning out. I mean, that's really the shift that, that we're talking about. 
And the and the way to make that shift, I mean, that's what, of course, the whole book is about. But I found it highly personally applicable, you know, I, and so I, I've been in the midst just seeking to live it, to apply it to me, to our family, to the way of doing it so that the experience of life changes and improves. And, and I really found in the journey sort of three, well, a model for how you can put this more effortless way of getting breakthrough results into practice. Can you, Greg, can you give us just maybe one example of a change you've made in your life that has helped you in this area to get to this effortless state effortless action, effortless results? Yes. I mean, as a family, we eat together every night. It's become an essential ritual for us. You know, we make it enjoyable by starting the meal with toasts for successes through the day, praising each other with accomplishments, expressing what we're thankful for. But after dinner is when it all starts to break down. You know, it's when it's time to clear the dinner table and clean up from the kitchen. It's amazing to see how quickly and how how stealthily children disappear. Mm. I, can I mean, they're it. like ninjas. I... <laughs> they're, you know, they're, they're silently slipping away to their bedrooms without the slightest sound of disturbance. You know, and then comes this unenviable job of calling them back one by one to do the cleanup work. So, you know, it feels less like parenting and more like a game of cat and mouse. The excuse is, well, I need to go to the bathroom. I have homework. I mean, they're frustratingly hard to argue with. <laughs> homework. Uh, yeah, right? You're suddenly the homework. Can't argue with homework. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's exhausting. And our children obviously don't care for it either. You know, they're feeling bossed around. They're frustrated the whole thing, too. It's necessary work, but it's un- unenjoyable for everyone involved. So we decided to approach it in a different way. So I, I, I really reimagined it as a game. So we created together a scoreboard, right? Every person is assigned clear responsibilities, wiping down all the surfaces, cleaning the floor. For each one completed, they could, we would earn a point. You know, after a few practice rounds, it was game on. And let me just tell you what happened. Nothing. (laughs) Dinner was over. The children, once again, were mysteriously gone. The ninjas were back in full effect. And it wasn't until my eldest daughter added a new ingredient that everything actually just sort of reached that tipping point and changed. And she just put on a playlist of like Disney classics, the kinds that, you know, make you want to sing along. And we played them loud. And it just turned the whole thing into a karaoke party. Wow. And, and we now do this regularly. And no matter how grumpy we might feel on any given day, it's pretty impossible not to get pulled into it. So if you were to drop in on us after dinner, you'll find us belting out, you know, let it go from Frozen or can't, just can't wait to be king from the Lion King. Or, you know, I'll make a man out of you from Mulan, whatever, right? You know, and, 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 and it, it, it has become as often as not sort of like some scene from Tom Cruise and Brian Brown when, you know, in the movie cocktail, you know, ever sweeping, wiping, washing, drying, putting away dishes and all the while laughing <laughs> and dancing and singing. So like th- this, this is real. 
right? You don't get more tangible and real than this example, but it's suddenly just a reimagining of it. You know, so if just to put this in context for you know for the the book and the principles and concepts there, this is the idea of just like you've got to splice together what's enjoyable with the essential work that might sometimes feel drudgery. So so you, you want to turn the drudgery into these like enjoyable rituals. Mm. And and so so that's an example where you know you, you can do it the hard way if you want to. The work eventually needs to get done. You can do it the hard way or you can give up on it. And then, of course, you've got that problem, right? It's it's just you've got the disaster from that. Or you can say, look, is there a smarter, easier path, a way that we can enjoy this together, make a memory doing it? We've got lots of videos of us now doing this this process. And and I'm not going to try and just say 100% of the time everyone's there. No. Do I ever have to go and gather people up? Yes. As soon as I notice that, I go, man, I'm not putting on the music. I haven't done it. We haven't made it a party tonight. I'm not. And so I, I will literally then go get my phone or ask one of the kids, okay, just put on some music. Let's do it. And let's go at it again. And, and so, you know, that's an example to me. Maybe someone thinks that's a trivial example, but example of effortless inaction. Yeah, that's I love that example. I think that's fantastic. And in your in your book, it talks about kind of these three parts. You've got the effortless state, effortless action, and then effortless results. And you use what I think is a really helpful example of the basketball free throw shooter. And I was wondering if you could kind of use that for us, because obviously we're not going to get into in depth, the book, I want people to go and get the book and I'm excited to read the whole book, but I wonder if you could just maybe use that example and kind of help us understand generally what these three parts are and what, as people read through the book, what they're going to be able to kind of take away from these different big categories of effortless state, effortless action, effortless results. Yeah, I mean, you 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 name it exactly right. So the part the book is organized into those three parts, right? Effortless state, effortless action, effortless results. And the way to think about those is, conceptually is that three concentric circles, and effortless state is in the center. It's always the place to start when you're trying to create an effortless experience, effortless uh, lifestyle. That you got to start with your state. And so, yes, as you say, you know, I think about this as, um, you know, an NBA player stepping up to the free throw, to take the free throw, rather. And, you know, so what's the first thing you see them doing? I mean, they're getting into the zone. They find the dots on the free throw line. They dribble the ball a few times. It's a ritual that helps them get completely focused. And you can almost see it, I think, them clearing their head, letting go of all emotions blocking out the noise of the crowd you know that's the effortless state we're trying to get into the effortless state why because it helps them to be able to go to step two effortless action what what does that look like with the nba player right is that they bend they bend their knees bring their front elbow to the right angle then lift flip pop Uh, they've practiced this so precisely so often it's Come like muscle memory. It's fluid. It's smooth. It's an effortless action. It's in fact, if they try too hard, 
it's not going to work. They're out of this. They're out of their optimal performance, and that's precisely why the effortless state comes first. So, effortless state, effortless action, and then and then the third. So to continue the metaphor, the ball arcs through the air, goes into the basket, makes that satisfying swish. You know, perfect sound. You know, perfectly executed free throw. It's not a fluke. They can do it again and again and again. Steph Curry, I think, just had a hundred in a row, or thereabouts. It's just, just you know, that's an effortless result. It's the, it's the idea is perpetual performance. So, so that is, I, I just use that as a metaphor. I revisit that metaphor in the introduction to each of the three areas. But, but really, in our lives, it's, it's just, it's three parts. That, that build on each other. There's a sequence to it. So, you know, the place to start in, in, in moving from an exhausted way of living to this effortless way of living is, is really on the state. And, you know, we can get into, you know, into more depth into how to get into that state and so on. But, you know, those are the three, the three parts as it aligns to the metaphor you asked about. I'm curious, Greg, when, when you write, I'm curious about your, your writing process. Is there a time of day that you do your writing? Yeah, I find that the morning is definitely better for me. And as I was doing research for Effortless, I found that, in fact, the, the research is quite strong about this, that for concentrated work, we really have sort of about three units of about 90 minutes piece to do high quality work and so this this grows out of most of us are familiar that sleep happens in cycles and sleep cycles and those sleep cycles are a little different for different people but approximately 90 minutes and and research found that that actually continues into the day so we actually have concentration cycles through the day as well, and they're also about 90 minutes. So this 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 process is happening both night and day. And so what that you know then as they once they'd identified that they've tested it and they found that that really most of us have three cycles in the morning that we can do our best work in. And after that, you can still, of course, we all know you can do productive work in the afternoon or in the evening. I mean, of course, we know you can do those things, but you're going to get a lower return on your investment. So at first, you'll get diminishing returns. So for every unit of input you get, you'll get a decreasing rate of output, less than you'll get in those morning hours. Yeah, so when I'm writing, maybe, maybe at first I can produce you know, three pages within the you know the first few hours, but then but then by by but after a certain point you're 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 getting only a a page or two for the same amount of input. But then there's another problem that that I find if you're not careful, and it's no longer it's no longer diminishing returns, but you get negative returns. And this is especially something I, I for writing I have to be careful about. But anybody who's trying to produce anything needs to be conscious of because in negative returns, you're not just getting a smaller return on each additional investment. You're actually decreasing your overall output. <laughs> so 
like for me with writing, I mean, that literally is, I am making the manuscript worse <laughs> by working on it now. Mm. And I have definitely hit that point before. And I've learned that you have to really be conscious of that because sometimes you want to double down. Oh, this isn't, this isn't happening the way I want. I better, I better work even harder and longer. Mm. No, stop. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Negative return. You are Seriously, it's a bargain if you stop. <laughs> so anyway, that's, that's some of the thoughts I have about my writing process. That's fascinating. Yeah, real, Greg, thanks so much for, I so appreciate you coming on. I want to do a couple lightning round questions with you here at the end. First one, top piece of marriage or relationship advice. I think with relationship advice, You've got to just make enough time and space to talk. That's it. You've just got to talk. You fell in love when you were talking. And then normal life comes along and you, you get so busy with doing, you stop the talking. And all the talking is so productivity centered. Oh, what are you doing? What am I doing? And have you called that person? And did you call the company back? And did you try sort of spectrum out? And did you, you know, it, it becomes so transactional. And in the middle of COVID, my wife and I started to go on walks and we're both honest to admit that a few times at the beginning weren't so fun because you know, we just weren't in a rhythm enough. And there were so many things we still wanted to talk and be heard and listened to. And, and so we were, we were maybe a slight at, at, at odds. And, and, but then as we got into a pace and into a mode and got aligned, it became, it's become easier and easier. And we just look forward to it so much now. It's such an, a necessary part of our, of our marriage. And in fact, we just two weeks off and traveled and we missed it a lot you could tell by the end of the two weeks and then when we started it back up again we got back it similarly felt like oh yeah we're not properly aligned again mm-hmm. is that daily practice of just talking uninterrupted no phones neither of us have phones with us just walking and talking is uh, is, is a great return on investment in terms of marriage that's so good top parenting advice you've got to catch people doing the right thing. Hmm. You, you, you just, the temptation, and I, I find myself falling into, especially if I'm tired, if I've, if I've you know, if, I've, if, I'm, if I'm starting to, you know, to feel a little burned out myself with something, then I, it's even harder. But, but to just walk in a room and look, you know, strategically, is anyone doing something right? Is anyone doing something that is pleasing to me? Is mm. pleasing to them? It ought to be called out. People, people are in desperate need, all of us, to be praised. And if the praise can be specific, if people just light up. And, and, and I can connect that dot for just a moment to the idea of the effortless state, because if you can get into an effortless state with somebody and the fastest way to do that is gratitude. Fastest way to do it personally is to be grateful yourself. Fastest way to do it in a relationship is, is to be grateful for something very specific and sincere. And it will turn night to day almost 
instantly. It, 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 and, and what's wonderful about state and the idea of effortless state is the second you're in an effortless state, the second you're in a positive mood, things instantly change around you as well. It happens much faster than we realize or, or assume it will. And when people have positive emotion, there's an expansiveness, a sense of optionality that is part of positive emotion. It, it is a natural, instinctive extension. You start to go, oh, there's possibilities and options, and we could do it this way or we could go that way. And how do we work together? And when you have optionality in relationships, you, you actually start to build more relationship trust and, and, and good positive feeling. And it's this upward positive cycle. And so, so don't fix problems in order to have things feel good. You know, you don't try, I got to get great results so I can feel good. No, you got to find something right so that people can feel good so that they can create great results. The order matters. That is so good. Catch someone doing something good. I am going to apply that immediately. Last one, top habit, routine, ritual, the, the habit, routine, ritual that is made the biggest difference for you? Well, the, I'm just trying to pull between two that are really similar. And it's just my personal study, my personal gospel study in the morning. And my, and then we do it as a family as well. So that's two separate mm. things. Okay. And so both of those at, at the time of this conversation are better now than they've been maybe may kind of ever so they just happen to be really both more consistent maybe than ever but also just really rich and so that's my dilemma is that personally i took on a challenge uh, a study a gospel study challenge a few months ago and that has been life-changing for me and then and it's just so revelatory like as i'm doing it it's not just what i'm studying it's just that it opens up this you know, and actually, this is a deeper sense of what I mean by effortless state. It's not just being free of stress. It's that you're tapping into a certain set of light. It's opening up. And so all sorts of insight and, and light has just come to me. Specific names call this person right now. You know, do this thing. And, and it's, just become, it's just been so powerful, the experiences that have come directly from that sort of conduit experience. And then the, the second habit that just I don't know how to separate them completely is that as a family, we've started a study course called Come Follow Me. And, and it's this course that we've been doing. We're, we're are we two years into it now or a year. Yeah, I guess we're two years into it now. And, and so we have got to the point now where we really don't miss a day. We did miss yesterday. But literally, other than yesterday, we have probably not missed a day in the last, you know, six months or a year or whatever. And, and what's happened is that we have a problem now that is actually is a real problem for me personally, but is like whenever I share it with people, they're like, oh man, that is not our problem. And so I'm just like grateful to have this problem. And the problem is, is that I cannot get my children to stop talking about what we're doing and what we're studying and what we're talking about. And so like literally as parents, we're the ones going, okay, half an hour we got to stop this at half an hour we cannot just be here for 45 minutes an hour and more and that and i'm being dead serious about that and it's true almost every single day mm -hmm. and and so here we are with with effectively four teenagers 
and they just want to talk about every verse we read and everything we talk about. Oh, that's, let me tell you about that. Let me think about this. And, oh, and they're bouncing off each other. And it's just like, okay, let's get to the next verse. And, and I just think my attitude is probably wrong about this, but that's what it's developed is this, like this is happening within them. And, uh, and that, that's, that's a pretty good problem to have. I, I do have enough awareness to be like, yeah, you know, I'll take that. I'll take that problem. Can you say the name of that study again? It's called Come Follow Me. Come for me. Okay. And uh, come come follow me. Oh, come follow me. Got come it. Okay. Follow me. Yeah. And and, and there's people can go on. I think anybody can access it for free. I don't think you have to sign up for anything or anything, but if they just search for Come Follow Me, there's a whole New Testament course that, that we did just last year. And and I tell you, it's it's just the consistency of it and then of course through covid we, we you know so so much more has to happen in the home you know it, it can't just be a friend system or a church system i mean it's got to be a home centered system and and so this has been a lifesaver and it's overall i would say it's actually you know better than before so wow there you go that's so inspiring greg as we're at our last minute here, I'd love to give you the last word and tell people about the book and just tell people where they can find you. Listen, everybody can, everyone can just go to essentialism.com. There's a 21-day challenge they can take where they're going to get videos on how to apply essentialism. They get it for free if they if they purchase a copy of, of Effortless and they just upload the receipt and then they're going to get this 21-day challenge videos that are like high quality masterclass level videos a tiny little increment a small way to apply essentialism so it's kind of you know it's 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 making it easier to apply these specific steps to to to, to be more of an essentialist so kind of marries effortless and essentialism together and 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 then of course subscribe people should just go and subscribe right now to the what's essential podcast where we're we're going, you know, just so many exciting conversations happening. Matthew McConaughey, Maria Shriver, and also individual interventions with everyday people where I'm just applying essentialism and effortless to people real time. And it's just been a really exciting thing to watch that gather uh, momentum. And so those would be the two things I'd say. Effortless, uh, go to essentialism.com and subscribe right now to What's Essential. And I just want to echo, Greg, your podcast is fantastic. So I'm so thankful that you're doing that. Thank you for being so generous. And and Greg, I just want to publicly, you are just, I love your heart. I love the work that you do. I love the example you set. I love your vulnerability. And I just want to thank you for, for that. It's touched my life. It's touched my family's life. Obviously, it's touched uh, tons and tons of people's lives. So So thank you for what you do and for the heart behind it. And I just want to encourage you to keep it up. And I'm so thankful that you shared some time today with, with this audience. Thank you, Cal. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Greg. It's always a pleasure to sit down with him. He's such a wealth of wisdom. And I think this interview helped me better understand Effortless. I, I, I'll be honest, I wasn't quite sure if I understood how you could make important things easy. I mean, that word easy, I'm so skeptical of that from the beginning because in my life, so much of what I'm proud of has come through such difficult trials and tribulations. And I, I think that just demonstrates how deeply ingrained that idea is in me and perhaps in you as well. 
A few quotes that stand out to me from this interview that I just wanted to repeat. Greg said, if you've stripped down your life to the essentials, what do you do if it's still too much? He said, I was doing the right things and I was doing them for the right reasons, but I found that I was doing them in the wrong way. And then finally, Greg said, essentialism was about doing the right things effortless. It's about doing them in the right way. I've pre-ordered my copy of Effortless. I want to encourage you to go and do the same. Early reviews of the book have been amazing. And this is a direct assault on the idea that good things have to be hard. And because that idea is so deeply ingrained in so many of us, we often don't even try to make essential things easy. We just assume that it has to be hard. And so we spend very little time even considering that there might be a better way. Think about the example Greg gave of his children cleaning up after dinner. I mean, that's so important for any parent to think about, but it would be easy just to try to grind that out and just make it hard. But Greg found an easier way, a more enjoyable way. And I think that's something that we should all take from this book because I think it challenges some of our deeply rooted assumptions. And I think those deeply rooted assumptions are probably what leads to burnout, just like Greg described. If you want to go check out the book, there will be links in the show notes at my website, calwalters.me. And please let me know what you thought about this conversation and about Greg's new book. I'm excited to learn and build on the lessons that I learned from essentialism. Thank you again for joining today. Please share this with someone in your circle, a friend of yours that might be able to benefit. I hope that you go and have a great week. Remember that life is short, so let's go make it count.